We are now in Moldova and its capital city, Kishinev, or Kishinau, as it is now called. And we're about to meet Moses Chubat. I was only nine years old, but I remember it well, because on the night of the 22nd of June, Kishinev was bombed. And in the morning, we heard that the fascists had attacked the Soviet Union. Right away, there was talk of spies. Someone said they found a grenade in the basement of the synagogue. No one doubted that the fascists would be beaten back, so Father took a cart with two horses, loaded it up with clothes, bedding and food, and we set off. But as we approached the train station, a policeman on horseback told us to turn around and go home. He assured us that the Soviet regime would never allow the city to be captured. Two weeks later, we had to run for our lives with nothing but the clothes on our backs. A bit of context, because by any measure, the history of 20th century Moldova is a complex one. Some 50,000 Jews lived in Kishinev at the turn of the last century, and anti-Semites carried out two infamous pogroms in 1903 and 1905. In 1918, Moldova became part of Romania, and the Jewish population of Bessarabia, as the region was then called, stood at around a quarter of a million. In June 1940, the Soviet Union demanded the return of Bessarabia, and the Romanian government relented. Then, during Operation Barbarossa, June the 22nd, 1941, the German and Romanian armies attacked the southern flank of the Soviet Union, with the Romanians headed straight for the port city of Odessa, with Kishinev standing in their path. Over the coming months, the Romanian government set up its own concentration camps. Over 110,000 Jews were imprisoned there. Thousands were murdered or starved to death. Moses Chubat was born in 1932 to Shulim and Rosa Chubat, and he was interviewed in Chisinau by Jana Litinskaya in July 2004. And on that day, when the fascists were closing in on Kishinev, Father rushed in and cried out that we had to go, now. I threw on some shorts, Mother grabbed a summer dress, and Father threw our documents, a few valuables and some money into a leather bag, and we went running towards the station. It was me, my parents, my grandparents. But no sooner had we walked out into the street than we saw militiamen setting the houses on fire. Our wooden house went up immediately. But because of all the smoke and our eyes were burning. On each corner of the town back then, there were always water barrels that you could use to put out fires. We kept stopping on just about every street and dousing our eyes to rinse them out. And everywhere people were looting. We got to the station, but it was teeming with desperate people trying to get on the trains. It was impossible. 
So we walked along the rails to get to the next station, and we managed to get on the platform. It was horribly overcrowded, but we managed to climb onto a train. As it moved out, the train was hit by fascist planes. I remember all the stations and even our train were covered with tree branches, but it didn't help. Bombs kept falling. While waiting in a station, I watched one woman who had given birth to a stillborn baby swaddle it and talk to it as if it was alive and tried to suckle it. We travelled for days. We stopped in one collective farm after another. I think that every one of them was named for Stalin. We kept travelling for weeks, then months. We even took a steamship across the Caspian Sea. And while we were on the ship, German planes came after us, and we still kept heading east. Moses Chubat's family traveled 4,000 kilometers until they reached Uzbekistan. They lived on a collective farm. His grandfather died of starvation. His grandmother died of typhus. His father was conscripted into a Soviet labor brigade. For the next three years, Moses Chubat and his mother drifted from one collective farm to another. In one small town in Kazakhstan, he tells us, the kids called me Little Yid and threw stones at me whenever I went out in the street. Our landlady protected me and fed me when she had a little something. I helped her about the house, worked in the kitchen garden and watched over her chickens. By this time I was dressed in rags and I'd not been to school in three years. Then my father came to us. He was in bad condition, but he kept going into labour service so he could send money back to us, just so we would have something to eat. I remember the last time I saw him, he said to me in Yiddish, Mishenka, I'm to die for you so you can have a better life than I did. Can you imagine what it's like for a 13-year-old boy to hear that from his father? My mother saw him off and she came back in tears. A year later, we were allowed to return to Kishinev, but there are no miracles in life. I was given my father's death certificate. From the time his world imploded in June of 1941, Moses Chubat lost his grandparents to hunger and disease, his father literally worked himself to death, and he and his mother had lived on a starvation diet for nearly five years. At the age of 14, Moses Chubat was finally able to go back to school again in Chisinau. He told us how humiliating it was to be the oldest kid in his class, but he studied hard and attended university. I was a terribly serious student because I had so much to catch up on. My life had ended in June 1941 and I had to start all over. I didn't smoke or drink, didn't even notice girls. In university, I was in a statistics class, and one day I finally noticed the girl who'd been sitting next to me all semester. Her name was Lialia Rakia. We went for a walk. Then more walks, and she told me she was Jewish. I really liked her, so our mothers met, and on a frosty morning in December 1957, Lialia and I were married. Mazel 
A year later, we had a daughter. Moses and Lilia were married for 47 years before illness took Lilia in 2004. Since then, Moses became a regular visitor in the Kishinau Jewish Community Center, attending social events regularly. During COVID-19, Moses remained mostly at home. The Jewish community has been delivering food and medicine to him, and his daughter looks after him by phone and visits him on weekends. In June of 2021, on the 80th anniversary of Operation Barbarossa, Moses Chubat had just turned 89, and he has spent much of lockdown, he told us, writing his memoirs. (laughs) 